Today we are starting our Advent series, which will be out of the book of Isaiah. Today's topic is Jesus as the Lamb of God. I have to say that we are really blessed not only to be New Testament believers, but as people who have access to the entirety of God's Word. I mean, I can pull up the Bible on my iPhone and just about any English translation that I want. We are that blessed, and yet we take it for granted, especially since the many of us who are listening to this are not of the Jewish or Israelite community. I, I, I think it's absolutely incredible that as a Gentile that we are given access to God's Word and the ability to study and understand it as well. So we'll be turning things over to our focus text here shortly, but I really wanted to start off by just appealing to you so that we can understand how incredible that it is that we are even able to be talking about Jesus' identity as the Lamb of God. In the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, Paul wrote, In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. People outside of Israel were not always aware of this incredible mystery that they too would be heirs of God's promises. This mystery was hinted at and prophets even wrote about it, but it was never really understood until Jesus came. And it was because of Jesus this became possible. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.13, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We would have remained without hope and outside of the camp of Israel had it not been for the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. And this actually leads into our focus text for today, Isaiah 52, verses 13 through 15. It reads, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness, so he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. To us, we read this, and it is clearly talking about Jesus and the sacrifice he would make. This was written over 700 years before Jesus would make his sacrifice on the cross. In fact, this book was written by a man named Isaiah, and we know Isaiah was a prophet, and the book he wrote was a big and mysterious one. So let's take a moment and put this passage into context so that we might understand it a little better. So we're probably most familiar with Isaiah around this time of year in relation to chapter 7 and chapter 9 of this prophetic book. This is where we find what we would kind of call the Christmas prophecies, so to speak. We read about his virgin birth and his divinity in these chapters. Now, of course, Isaiah does not call his name Jesus. That was something yet to be revealed. If we aren't careful, we might make the mistake 
of concluding that Isaiah must be some sort of feel-good book. And I, I tell you what, if you want to feel good about yourself, Isaiah is not the place to start. The first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are focused in large part on judgment. Judgment against Egypt, judgment against Cush, against Tyre, against Babylon, and even Judah, which is, uh, which is the tribe of Israel from which Jesus came. And this book of prophecy is written like other books of the Bible. It is not merely a bunch of cryptic sayings, prophecies that read like fortune cookies. It has history sprinkled throughout its pages to give you an idea as to why God gave the prophet his words. In chapter 36, the story of Hezekiah is recorded. The king of Assyria uh, had conquered much of his land, which was Judah, but God protected Jerusalem from being overtaken. And in chapter 39, Hezekiah has some visitors come and visit him after Jerusalem is delivered. They came from Babylon, and they came to his palace, and it is told by Isaiah that God was going to give everything that the Babylonians had seen, that Hezekiah had shown them, into their hands one day. So from there, we enter into chapter 40 which strikes a totally different tone than the rest of the book of Isaiah. Where the first 39 chapters focus on judgment, chapters 40 starts off with comfort. Chapter 40 is kind of the beginning of a new book inside of Isaiah itself. It reads somewhat like that of Revelation, culminating in the new heavens and the new earth. And smack dab in the middle of this, uh, of, of between chapter 40 and chapter 66, is where you get this incredible portion known as the Song of the Suffering Servant. In this song, the purpose of God's servant, which we know as Jesus, would be revealed. We read that Jesus would act wisely. He would be exalted, high, and lifted up. He would also be marred and disfigured beyond human recognition. We learn that this was because Jesus was acting as the Lamb of God. Now, we have a tendency to think of this title in sort of a cute way. Jesus is a lamb. That means he was nice, that he was kind and innocent and a sweetheart, that maybe Jesus was cute and cuddly, as we see in lots of the pictures of the nativity as they're painted and portrayed throughout history. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, that was not the picture that he wanted to communicate when he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was talking about the perfect sacrifice. The blood of Messiah had to be spilt. And what he had in mind was more along the lines of Isaiah 53. In fact, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brilliantly contrasts the sheepish nature of God's servant with those of a worldly mentality. Take a look at Isaiah 53, 6. It says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, isn't that amazing? And I want you to think about this imagery. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and all the rest of us are like sheep. Think about it. Not all sheep are selected to be sacrificed. The ones with defects of different sorts were spared. And sheep, by the way, are not intelligent creatures. 
I heard a story of a shepherd who had a sheep that wandered away from its flock and was prancing along its merry way until eventually it came to a cliff and it just kind of belayed itself off of the cliff and it fell to its doom. This terrified the shepherd, but it terrified him even more so to see that the flock was also prancing along its merry way as it followed that sheep right off the cliff. And they all jumped to their doom. Now, the good news is, is that sheep are fluffy animals. And so not all of the sheep died in this incident, but rather many of them landed on top of their fallen comrades and their fluffiness, their gushiness, ended up saving the lives of many of the ones that had followed afterwards. So not all of them perished in this ordeal. This is the image we are given. We all, like sheep, have gone astray and are wandering to our doom. We have a word today to describe this. We call it sheeple. S-H-E-E-P-L-E. Sheeple. In this sense, we've all become sheeple, following the ways of the world and of our own selfish desires, neglecting the ways of God. But not Jesus, not the suffering servant. The iniquity of us all was laid upon him. He was faithful to God, and he paid the price. Isaiah 53, 7 draws this contrast where we went about our own ways. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The contrast is that we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've gone along our merry way, doing what is right in our own eyes. Meanwhile, the servant of God, Jesus, was obedient to God. And he wasn't even blessed the way that we would want to be blessed under his circumstances. Instead, he was oppressed and afflicted. He was led to the slaughter like an ignorant lamb. There certainly is a contrast between the two parties the people of the world, and God's servant. But let's not miss a very important similarity. Both are obedient to their master. Jesus was obedient to God. Humanity was obedient to the devil, the prince of the power of the air. Thus, we had nothing to do with paying the price of redemption. In Isaiah 52, it says that God's servant would sprinkle many nations. And this imagery is in relation to the duties of a priest. And you can see an example of this in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 14 through 15. The priest would take the blood of animals and sprinkle it upon the atonement cover of the Ark of the Covenant. The atonement cover was basically the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, and most specifically describes the throne of God between the two cherubim sculpted upon it. Blood was sprinkled on the atonement cover for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus was in a unique role. He would serve as both priest and as a lamb, as a sacrifice. This was especially unique because a priest, when they made a sacrifice, sacrificed for their own sins as well as the people they were serving. As we know, Jesus 
had no sin. Our iniquity, our sins, are upon him, and he did pay for them. So as we celebrate Christmas this year, let us not lose sight that the baby born in the manger was not merely a cute symbol. He was God's chosen, the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. On the same token, let us not lose sight of the joy that this should bring. It's sad that on the one hand he had to die on behalf of many, but wonderful in that God chose to make his peace with humanity through this worthy sacrifice. It is the expression of God's love that cannot be duplicated. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. I would love to see you at a church service someday at Faith Presbyterian Church, 1030 on Sunday mornings. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.